0: Our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2. Please stand. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Here ends the reading. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. You may be seated. One should really bring one's sermon into the pulpit when one is going to preach, instead of leaving it over on the chair. (laughs) I'm going to just continue reading a little bit more from the book of Acts, in the fifth verse Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one of them heard them speaking in their native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each of us hear in our own native tongue, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, our souls, and our ears, that we might hear a word for us today anew, and so that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have a feeling that there were a lot of preachers who uh, either last night or this morning woke up and looked at their sermons and threw them all in the garbage. It's what I did. Uh, Sitting outside last night with my family in the backyard, uh, we heard the news that there was yet another terrorist attack in London. And somehow to get up and preach the sermon that I had prepared didn't seem like enough or adequate, which may say something about that sermon. (laughs) Karl Barth, uh, a very famous theologian who lived uh, during World War II and is a German, was a German, in 1963 in a Times article basically said that all good preachers uh, stand up on Sunday morning with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. And in fact, he goes on to claim that this is what all Christians should do, is have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. So we have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in another. And what I want to do is reflect on the news through the lens of the Bible as best I can. Like many of you, I'm sure that you've all read the newspaper or looked at some headline this morning that in the last three months there have been three different attacks in London, seven people are dead, 48 injured. Someone decided that taking a van and driving it at 50 miles an hour across London Bridge would then try to run people over and turn what is an innocent van into an instrument of evil and violence. The question, I think, on all of our hearts, and the question I think that we should perpetually be thinking about these days, is how does God respond to evil? And especially on Pentecost Sunday, where is God's Holy Spirit in the midst of these things? The very first thing that I reflected on this morning when I got up and decided to start over was In many ways, I think that you can declare that Jesus was actually killed in an act of terrorism. If the idea of terrorism is to inflict terror and violence, what the Romans did to all sorts of criminals was both terroristic and fearful. To put somebody up on a cross in a public square is to incite fear and anger You can say in many ways the Romans ruled with violence and terror, but I think what we must also always say is that in the cross God is always in solidarity with those victims. Where God goes in act of violence is always to the heart of the matter, which is which those who are suffering. The impulse to kill is never a religious one, and never a holy one. Whether it is through actual acts of violence, or verbal assaults, or verbal put-downs, the impulse to kill, destroy, wipe out, or overcome is never a holy one. In fact, Jesus' resurrection is the promise of God's love, and that God's love is actually life itself. Where is God in the midst of a terrorist attack? always hanging in the gallows. The question is, if God's response to evil is Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, what is our human response to evil, both personally and politically? It is the question that we all have to wrestle with. If Jesus' act... If God's act in response to evil in the world was to suffer, to not hit back, to in fact take it, what then in fact is our call, both personally and politically? The reason I wanted to read the second part of our Acts story today was because I wanted to draw attention to what's happening when God's Holy Spirit comes and lands on these early followers of Jesus, because it is quite remarkable, actually, to read all of the names of all of those different people is to read all of the names of the victims of the people that have experienced violence in our world. To hold up the newspaper these days is to realize that the victims from the violence are all of us. They're French and they're British, they're English and they're Dutch, they're Swedish, they're Christians, they're Jews, they're Muslims, they're atheists, and everybody else in between. The largest group of people that have been killed in most recent years by extremists have been Muslims themselves. The issue of violence is a human one. Evil is real, rampant, and dangerous. When the Bible speaks of the coming of God's Holy Spirit, suddenly, strangely, everyone is confused. Because everyone suddenly understands what everybody else is saying, even though they're speaking in different languages. Parthians, Medes, Jews, proselytites, Arabs, Cretans, people from all over the world suddenly understand each other. People from all over the world suddenly understand each other and see each other face to face, eye to eye, human to human. When God's Holy Spirit comes, all of the divisions that have once defined us are suddenly wiped away, and there is nothing left but a human being. Which turns out to be really quite terrifying, because when the Holy Spirit breaks down divisions, it unites people together and flattens out our differences into one common denominator of being human, and what it turns into is something like tongues of fire An incredible sense of connection and commitment to one another that we are suddenly excited because the one sitting across from us is just like us. The Holy Spirit is that thing that makes friends between Muslims and Jews, Christians and atheists, Norwegians and Swedes, Lutherans and Catholics, people from Hopkins and Edina. People who are presidents and custodians. Certainly, our call is to make friends, both here and in the world. And I think, probably most importantly, the work that God has called you to do through the Holy Spirit is to make friends in the circles that aren't here, in your places of work, in your neighborhood. When you borrow your neighbor's lawnmower, you are doing an act of the Holy Spirit, especially if you give it back. (laughs) Far too often, I think the work of the Holy Spirit gets blown into things that are too big and too huge to understand, like speaking in tongues, but in actuality, what the way Martin Luther thinks of it is when you are kind to the one who is right next to you, you have been living out an act of God's Holy Spirit. The truth is, the most important act of church you do never happens here on Sunday morning. The most important act of church happens when you get up in the morning and go out into the world and live, and make friends with those who are different than you are, and listen to their story. And the Holy Spirit suddenly wipes out all of the barriers that have caused divisions between you. Pentecost comes. And usually not here. Usually, it's out there. So what are we supposed to do? With the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, I listened to Theresa May, who said, Enough is enough. And of course she's right. Enough is enough. As followers of Jesus, even Luther, even Luther... Said that there are powers and authorities in the world that are needed to maintain order. Luther commended soldiers for being soldiers. And yet he said we are called to act with humility and love and courage, not for our own sakes, but to protect one another. The call of the Christian is to use all of our resources and gifts in love in the protection of our neighbor. To act with a spirit of hopeful forgiveness that God will forgive even our own violence, because violence, even in the act of righteousness, is still violence that needs to be forgiven. But for the most of us who are not soldiers or police officers, what are we called to do? It seems flimsy and thin and weak, but we are called to pray. To pray simply, Our Father, not my Father, not your Father, our Father, plural, global, connected, the Creator of the world, the world's parent, who loves the whole world, who loves even the persecutors of violence and works and hopes for their redemption. Our Father, thy kingdom come into my heart first because chief of all sinners am I, that thy kingdom would come, thy kingdom where the greatest act of God's glory is to suffer and die and be resurrected on the cross. Thy kingdom come into my heart into my selfishness, and that thy will, God, indeed be done. Because it is unfortunately unlikely that you and I will ever conquer violence or evil, but in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God has promised that God already has and that God will again. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, take capture of your heart, your mind, your soul, your tongue, your hands, and your very being, that God's kingdom would come and be done through you. Amen.